Grace Family Church of Rhode Island presents Word of Hope, a sermon series with Pastor Luciano Cozzi. Welcome. The Word of Hope sermon series is a ministry of Grace Family Church of Rhode Island. It was instituted to bring sound teachings from the Word of God to as many people as possible. Our purpose is to offer you a message that is both practical and contemporary, that brings the Word of God to light in a way that makes sense in daily life. As you listen to this message, it is our hope and prayer that the Lord will bless you through it and bring you hope, comfort, and guidance. And now, Pastor Kotze. passage today begins with a statement that should cause us to think for a moment. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven will enter. Much can be said even just about that statement. We can probably fit a couple of sermons on that. But today I'm going to take a twist, and you'll see momentarily what kind of twist we are talking about. Because I would like to address one question in this passage in a way that perhaps you haven't seen addressed so far. Nothing new. We've talked about it before, for sure. But sometimes it bears repeating. It's good. Repetition helps our memory. So to begin with here, what we need to notice, instead of giving a couple of sermons, is that religion doesn't quite do it. It's not about religion. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. It's not about religion. He who does the will of my Father who is in heaven will enter. And the question remains, what is the will of a Father? We'll see that in a moment. Then he continues to say, many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? Did we not cast out demons in your name? Did we not perform miracles? It's not about miracles. It's not about casting out demons. And there are people, by the way, that go around all finding demons everywhere, including in their car engine. You think I'm joking? I am not. I'm really not joking. And thank God I wasn't there. Otherwise, I would tell them what kind of oil was needed for that car engine. Not the oil to anoint the car engine, but the oil to put inside. <laughs> but joking aside, it's not about going around and casting demons and doing works, is it? Nor is it about prophesying in his name. And it seems to be, to, to be quite a few people that are in the fashion of doing that too. I've had encounters with a few of them, but then again, it could be another sermon right there, right? I had some encounters with some of them who had a message from God, and I had to confront them and ask them, why is it that the message that God gave them is completely contrary to what Scripture says? Would God contradict himself? Answer, no. So conclusion, sorry, but I cannot accept your message as being from God because it contradicts the Scripture. Notice what he says afterwards in verse 23. And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me who practice lawlessness. So it's not about the law either, but it is about us not being able to keep the law. The last time I checked, every single one of us, by the way, I don't usually go around and check, okay? But every single one of us has broken that law. None of us is immune from that. 
Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and acts on them may be compared to a wise man who built his house on the rock. All right, that could be another sermon too. But again, my purpose today is to give a twist to this passage. And you will see what that twist is in momentarily, but we want to get in the context of it. So hearing the words of Jesus is acting on them is important. So it's not just the motions of going to church. It's not just the motions of religion. It's being Christian to the core that Jesus is talking about here. But he who acts on those words that Jesus said is compared to someone who built a house on the rock. So here's a question I would like to ask you. Who is the rock? Isn't that Jesus? Ah, so now we're beginning to get what it's all about. It's not about religion. It's not about our works. It's about whether we are in connection with Jesus Christ. It's about the relationship that we have in Christ. It's about the oneness that we have in Christ. And if that oneness is in there, it will translate into our working what? That relationship out. Working out that relationship means doing the things that are fitting and appropriate for trusting or with trusting Jesus. Okay, so it's relational. It's about faith. It's about trust. It's all about Jesus Christ, God in the flesh, the perfect manifestation of the Father. And then it says, look, the rain fell, the floods came, the winds blew and slammed against that house. And yet it did not fall. Why? Because it was all about Jesus, the Son of God. It's all about him. Because that house was founded on that rock. And that rock is Jesus Christ. But on the other hand, everyone who hears those words of mine and does not act on them, in other words, those who don't trust him enough to in enter into that relationship with him. And by the way, a relationship is not just about saying, oh yeah, I know him, okay, bye. A relationship is more involved than that, isn't it? When we have a relationship, we do things together. We think alike in some ways. Okay, we may disagree in other things, so that's fine, but you know, in, it, it's, it's a little bit different having a relationship with Jesus Christ. We tend to not to disagree openly with them, although we do tend to disagree sometimes in the way we behave ourselves. But overall, we turn, we change, we surrender, right? We surrender to him, we surrender to his ways. We are his followers. Followers means those who walk in his footsteps. And that's where that faith comes. That's where that trust comes. And if we don't do that, if we don't have that trust, then it says all that rain, the flood, the winds slammed against the house and the house falls. And it falls because it's not built on that rock. It's built on many things. What is the nature of the sand? There are a lot of little pebbles that don't hold together. They move around. A lot of little things we get confused by and uh, taken by in life Things that, that distract us, all the pressures, all the concerns, all the things that we tend to build on, but they're not really solid to hold anything. Wealth, health, prosperity, comfort, all sorts of different things we try to achieve and accomplish. And sometimes they become the foundation of what we do, but it doesn't work. But here's the twist. Today, I don't want to talk about that. Today, I want to talk about that rain. I want to talk about the flood. I want to talk about the wind. And I want to ask one question. Why should you trust God so much that even in the storms of your life, even during the times of, of trials, even during the times of tragedy, even during the times when things happen, you say, I will not deny Christ no matter what. Why? That's the question I want to ask. 
Why should I build on the rock? How do I know that after all, it's going to be okay despite that rain, despite that flood, despite those winds that, that rage against that building? Isn't that a good question? So I want to show you some things and I want you to pay attention to that. Psalm 31 says, you are my rock and my fortress. For your name's sake, you will lead me and guide me. Yes, God leads us, he guides us. But again, why should we follow him? Why should we trust him? Building on the rock, Jesus said, is the same as surrendering to him, doing the things he says. It's surrender. Surrendering to Christ is a concept that we all accept. That's why we are his disciples, his followers. But when the water comes, when the flood rages, when the wind hits against us, it hurts. It hurts. And when it hurts, we feel like running. We feel like avoiding. We feel like we're turning our back and asking, why, God? Why should I trust you? Other questions come up. Does my life have meaning? Do I have a purpose? For that matter, what about millions? In fact, I should say billions of people because the majority of the population of the world lives in poverty. What about those billions of people who don't have the things that we look for? They can't afford the comfort that we have. They are not as spoiled as we are. Does their life have meaning? What about the meaning of the life of these children? They grow up in a village. They don't have almost anything. What about them? How precious is their life? What is their destiny? Why should they trust Jesus in the midst of all that? Why should they be willing to give up their life for Jesus Christ in the midst of all that? And many do. So God answers. If God so clothes the grass of the field, which is alive today and tomorrow is thrown in the furnace, will he not much more clothe you, said Jesus? That's a very encouraging statement, isn't it? We look at the plants, we look at the flowers, we look at the beautiful things that God has created, and we think, wow. But is that it? Is it just about food and clothing? Although Jesus said, don't worry about those things, I'll tell you what. For, for God, as far as God is concerned, as far as his plan for you is concerned, that's, that's a little stuff. Don't need to worry about that. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are children of God. You read it so many times, but I want you to pay attention to that statement. And if children, heirs also, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ. Oh, wait a minute. Fellow heirs with Christ. You know what an heir is? It's someone who receives an inheritance. You know what a fellow heir is? It's someone who shares that inheritance. So now here's a question. What inheritance is Jesus' inheritance? What is it all about? All things that the Father has are mine, said Jesus. Hmm. Wait a minute. Hold on. All things that the Father has are mine. And that's what he has, and we are co-heirs with him. Doesn't it mean he's going to share those things with us? So we look around, we look at creation, we go out in the fields, see a beautiful stream. We really enjoy all that. And then we are reminded by God, for I consider that the sufferings of this present time, that water, that rain, that flood, that wind that hits against the house, the sufferings of this present time, but not just our suffering personally, the sufferings of everyone around us. It's plural. It's not suffering of this present time, but sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory that is to be revealed to us. Who? Us. You. Me. For the anxious longing of a creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope that the creation itself also will be set free from its slavery to corruption into the freedom of the glory of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation groans and suffers the pains of childbirth together until now. 
Paul was inspired to continue and say, what then shall we say to these things? What things? The challenges of life? If God is for us, who is against us? He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him over for all of us, how will he not also with him give us all things? Wow, what do you mean, all things? I am convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, no things present, no things to come, no powers, no height, no depth, no any other created thing will be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. That rock, the one upon whom we build everything, the one upon whom we rest our life, the one upon whom we put our entire trust. Yeah, you look at the beauty of creation. Look at those mountains, those valleys, the little things, the big things. But there's a lot more to it than that because God talks about all creation. So let's step out. Let's step out of that limitation that we have for a second. This is the twist. I want to stretch your mind. I want you to think about who we're talking about. We're going to leave our planet for a second. We're going to leave Earth for a minute and understand what Jesus is talking about. We're just a little tiny planet on the edge of a galaxy. Tiny. And a relatively minor solar system within that galaxy. One of several trillions in that one galaxy alone. And what you see in here is just the edge of a neighboring galaxy. The line at the bottom this one here, that one there, the distance between the beginning and the end of that line is such that it takes the light 10,000 years to cover. It takes the light at the speed of light. It takes 10,000 years to cover the distance of that line. And that's just a little bit of a neighboring galaxy. <sighs> oh Lord, what is man that you take knowledge of him or the son of man that you think of him, says Psalm 144. There are many galaxies in the universe, in creation. Many are much bigger than ours. There are different shapes, different forms. There are spiral galaxies. There are other ones. There are twin galaxies, each of them with trillions of solar systems, trillions of stars. Just soak it in. Soak it in for a second. Because sometimes these galaxies are clustered together, see? But as you move out, you find that those clusters of galaxies can be quite numerous. What you see there is not stars, they're galaxies. This is a little cluster, it's a little corner of a cluster of galaxy. Galaxies. Another little corner of another cluster of galaxies. Are you ready? How many galaxies can you count so far? Quite a lot, aren't there? How many trillions of stars will be in those galaxies? Here's another cluster, how about that? Father, the glory which you have given me, I have given to them. Are you beginning to catch the picture here? Remember what we said before? Everything that the Father has is mine. And now he says, Father, what you have given me, I have given to them. That they may be one just as we are one, I in them and you in me. That they may be perfected in unity so that the world may know that you sent me and that you love them even as you have loved me. Here comes the rain, here comes the flood, here comes the wind and we question God's love. Where is God when I need him? Look at that statement again. That the world may know that you love them as much as you love me, says Jesus, the Son, to the Father. I'm going to show you some more pictures of what God has created. Just relax. Settle in. Soak them in. None of these has been doctored. None of them are a artist rendition. They are actual photographs from a Hubble telescope that can see things that we cannot see from down here because it doesn't have the atmosphere in the way. 
just a little bit of creation, a creation that Romans 8 calls decay. You know, we could explain what those are. Many of these are nebula with stars and galaxies. But just so come in, think about it a little bit. What do you think of God's creation? Amazing, isn't it? He who overcomes, I will grant him to him to sit down with me on my throne, says Jesus, as I also overcame and sat down with my Father on his throne. What's your destiny? You heard me saying that before, but I hope that today it kind of takes a different picture. God is not just the God of the United States of America. God is not just the God of Earth. God is not even just the God of the Milky Way galaxy. God is the God of all creation. God is the God of the whole universe. God is the one who brought it into existence. God is the one who sustains. God is the one who created it and holds it together. Do you think that God is capable of addressing your problems? And when he's done addressing your problems of the present time, guess what he has in mind for you? To sit with him on his throne. You see some pillars there. Beautiful, aren't they? This is an image that was taken with normal light, the range of light that you and I can see. But then watch what happens when the Hubble telescope looks at it in infrared. So much more, isn't it? Just think for a second of what we see out there in our own spectrum of light is so limited, isn't it? But then... When we're going to be with them, we're going to see everything into the infrared, in the ultraviolet, and beyond. And what are we going to see? Things that we don't even begin to imagine now. I mean, just look at the difference between this normal light and the infrared. See how many things more you can see. What is God going to show us? I can only begin to imagine. Just think. And when you look at this, remember what God says. This is that decay that is waiting, waiting. Still, Romans 8, the creation itself, creation itself will be set free from its slavery to corruption into the freedom of the glory. And you know what? I got to confess something. Every time I look at this, I have a little problem. Because every time I look at that, every time I read that, I am tempted to, to, to read that creation itself will be set free from the slavery to corruption into the freedom of the glory of God. But then I had to backtrack because it doesn't say that. It says that that creation will be set free from its slavery to corruption into the freedom of the glory of the children of God. You think your life has purpose? Do you think that purpose transcends a little bit the challenges that we face in this life? Think. Think again. And we could go on and on for hours here showing you these. Let's take a look at a few more. <laughs> so, the rain fell, the floods came, the winds blew and slammed against the house, and yet it did not fall because it was built on the rock. And that rock is the one who created all things, who sustains all things, who holds everything together. The one who came to be like you, to reach out to you, to take your pain upon himself, your suffering upon himself, your death upon himself, your sin upon himself, and your life. He didn't just die for us. He lives he himself, the one that John says, through whom and by whom all things that were made were ever made, and none of the things that were ever made was made without him, he's the one right now interceding for you, presenting you to himself pure, immaculate, without spot, without wrinkle, in all your glory, eagerly waiting together with creation, looking forward to the day when creation is going to rejoice and exult because it's going to be set free into the freedom of the glory of the children of God. Do you think he has a purpose for your life? 
And if for a moment, for a blinking of an eye, that life includes some trials, some problems, some challenges, some pain, I'll tell you, it's going to be worthwhile. Because like we were reminded, reminded of earlier, suffering is a very temporary thing. Pain is very temporary. It didn't exist before and it will not exist at the end. But that, our future with God, our future with Christ, our destiny in Him, our sharing with Him in His throne, our inheritance, it's not temporary. It will last forever. And honestly, it does take forever to even begin to grasp it, doesn't it? So when the water hits, when the storm hits, when the wind seems like it's sticking you all over the place, Hold on to him, because not only is trustworthy, but he really has a plan for you and for it all. Father, we thank you. We thank you for your plan. We thank you for your word. We thank you for the amazing truth that you share in your word. And those ancient words that even go as far as when David looked at the stars and wondered, what are we that you should even be aware of us, let alone, let alone become one of us and welcome us not only in your presence but to communion with you thank you please fill our hearts with that wonder that we should have towards you and with assurance that we should have as we rely on you and surrender to you and submit to you and lean on you who hold all things together with the power of your might and of your grace thank you in jesus name